because what usually happens when you change careers is you're in charge of um leaving and you're you know you're the you're the hero of your story you're the one who's who's saying i'm going to make this change and i'm going to walk away and grieving actually happens when it's a feeling of loss and it's usually taken from you something that you love dearly and is taken from you what i found with a lot of teachers is they are really excited about leaving teaching they find a new job and then they grieve heavily and they do not realize why they're mm. completely caught off guard hey there i'm amber harper former burned out teacher turned teacher burnout coach dedicated to helping other teachers like you to grow through your burnout and take your next best steps toward what you want from your career in education and in life after an embarrassing emotional breakdown in front of my teacher besties, I knew something needed to change, and that something was me. I decided that I wasn't going to settle for burnout as my sentence as a teacher, mom, wife, or friend, and I knew it was going to take way more than practicing conventional self-care to make the progress I wanted to make. No amount of manicures, bottles of wine, or bubble baths was going to save this girl. Fast forward to a few years later, and I've used everything I've learned about teacher burnout and personal development to write a book, build a course, and lead a community of burned-in teachers who refuse to settle for a life of burnout as their forever reality. I've used my burnout as an opportunity to become an active participant in my life, in the classroom, and here on the mic, using all that I've learned to teach kids and serve teachers. And you can do the same. The Burned In Teacher Podcast is one part burnout and all other parts action, inspiration, and support to help you grow through your burnout and live a happier, more fulfilled career and life. So take a deep breath, my friend, because you're about to take your next best step to becoming a Burned In Teacher. Let's dive in. Hey, hey, Burned In Teachers. Welcome to episode 174 of the Burned In Teacher podcast. I'm your host, Amber Harper. And as always, I am so extremely grateful that you decided to turn on this podcast when you have so many to choose from. And today's episode, you already heard the intro, is, um, is with my friend Daphne Gomez from The Teacher Career Coach. Now, Daphne has actually been on the podcast before. She was episode 112, and that was back in 2021, so it was post-COVID, but I had just heard and learned about Daphne and what she does to help teachers to transition out of an education role into a different role, and her business has, as you can probably imagine, really taken off. She is a former teacher, but we don't talk a ton about her burnout experience. We talk about all of that in that episode of in 2021, episode 112 that I'll link in the show notes. We don't talk about that a ton in this episode. I reached out to Daphne again a few weeks ago because our interview was a couple of years ago and so many things have changed in education even since then. Her services have grown so much. So I really wanted to touch base with her again on the trends that she's seeing now for teachers that are transitioning out of education, how she's helping teachers to make that transition. And I really wanted to get some great tips on what you um, what you could do now. I wanted it for her to share what she felt you could do right now in March of 2023 if you're even considering at all not returning to the classroom next year. Now, as you'll hear her talk about in this interview, 
March is actually getting close to not too late, but it's time to really make a decision and start to take some really intentional action if you are going to be looking at leaving the classroom or education in general and transitioning into a different role. So number one, if you've never heard of Daphne Gomez, I highly suggest that you listen to episode 112 so you can get to know her and her mission with the teacher career coach. And then listen to this episode because she goes even deeper and she's going to give you some really intentional actions to take now so you don't just find the job that you want to apply for, but you can actually get it. All right, let's dive into this interview with Daphne Gomez. Hey, Daphne, it's so good to see you again. Thank you so much for coming back onto the Burn and Teacher podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you, Amber. It's always been a pleasure. So thanks so much for having me. Of course. Yes. Yeah, so we, uh, we, it's been a while. It's been a couple of years since we talked about a year and a half. You were on the podcast back in June of 2021 and a lot's changed. A lot of, a lot has changed for teacher career coach. A lot has changed in education. You know, we were just coming out of the pandemic. Well, kind of, um, at that point when we had talked and I just wanted to connect with you again, bring you back on the podcast and just to help any of the new listeners that have never heard of the teacher career coach or Daphne Gomez to help them to get to know you and know how you can help them, especially at this time of the school year. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about you? Yeah. So I'm, uh, the CEO of teacher career coach. I left the classroom in 2017 after I had, Worked as a fifth grade teacher for about three years. Um, during my own career transition, I could not find any resources. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, was Googling other jobs for former teachers and there's just like nothing coming up. And I also was really met with a lot of hesitation from my colleagues that were trying to encourage me to just stay in the classroom. Like, oh, you can't leave. You're a good teacher. I just knew I could not be a teacher anymore. I had come to that realization after breaking down a lot that very last year. I was going to the doctor a lot for stress-related illnesses. I was crying on the way to work. I really felt like I was mentally unwell and not capable of staying in a teaching position for another year. Mm -hmm. Even if I changed districts, I just knew it was not the solution for me at that point. And I ended up actually landing this really great role um, at a Fortune 500 company, well-known ed tech company. And um, from there on, every time I was talking at national conferences or working in school districts, doing free professional development on behalf of the company that I worked for, I would have teachers who were asking me, how did you do it? And so around 2019, I decided to use that and my skills as an instructional designer, which is something that I did for another ed tech company to create the program that I wish existed back when I left um, in 2017. So in 2019, I teamed up with human resource experts, career experts, and other former teachers to launch the first of its kind uh, transition program for teachers. And so we've just been helping teachers ever since. I ended up ultimately leaving my full-time position in 2021 because things have just scaled so quickly and we were unable to really manage working both jobs at the same time without burning ourselves out. Um, so being able to do that uh, has been a really big blessing and I have just been doing that since 2021. Yeah, I I'm so excited for you because like you said the last time that we had talked, um you know, 
your business was at such a different place and things were a little different, you know, in the transition process, there was a lot of still schools that were hybrid or, you know, they weren't sure if they were going to go back at that time of the year, you know, back in person full time. I know there were a lot of teachers really wondering if they were going to return to the classroom at that time of the year. And uh, so can you help us to understand some trends that you've noticed, you know, from 2021 to now 2023, we're, we're nearing the end of the 22-23 school year. What are some trends or some things that you've noticed for teachers that are very highly considering transitioning out of the classroom? Um, uh, Just trends as far as like their mindset goes or what types of mindset or what, yeah, what type, anything. Yeah. Any, um, and and like you said, the types of careers that, um, uh, that are hiring the most teachers or, you know, what kinds of questions they're asking, like what, what have you noticed lately? Yeah. So, uh, I'll do that in two different parts. The first part being, um, mindset wise, things are consistent since I started in 2019 to now 2023, as we're recording this, there is a lot of psychology that goes into how you make a career change. There's a lot of different things that are going to pop up. You're going to be terrified, too terrified to take action you're going to probably start to have moments where you're using like black and white thinking patterns of if this career that's in front of me doesn't have everything perfect, then I may as well not do it because it may be worse altogether. Or you Mm -hmm. might have um, like generalization patterns or looking for red flags when red flags don't exist or saying, you know, I heard one person didn't like this career type, so I'm not going to look at it whatsoever because it must be terrible. There's just a lot of fear of change. There's a fear of getting outside of your comfort zone. There's a fear of the economy and the instability of different jobs. And all of those are really, really valid. But a lot of times that fear is just trying to keep teachers and their comfort zone But unfortunately, many of them know the ones, at least in my audience, know deep in their heart, they can't do this for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. And so they have to overcome that fear and realize I can figure out worst case scenarios. Not everything is going to be a worst case scenario. Things can work out for me. Like every time I say, think something bad is going to happen. What if I say something good is going to happen and try and balance that out? Um, Guilt. There's a lot of guilt of leaving your colleagues, leaving the state of education, uh, leaving your students behind. It's very, very hard, especially if you have really strong bonds um, with the people at your school. And some teachers really struggle with that. So we've talked to therapists about this, about how to overcome those big feelings. There's also a feeling of uh, grieving because what usually happens when you change careers is you're in charge of um leaving and you're you know you're the you're the hero of your story you're the one who's who's saying i'm going to make this change and i'm going to walk away and grieving actually happens when it's a feeling of loss and it's usually taken from you something that you love dearly and is taken from you what i found with a lot of teachers is they are really excited about leaving teaching they find a new job and then they grieve heavily and they do not realize why. They're mm-hmm. completely caught off guard when it comes to back to school. Times that used to stress them out the most, they see their colleagues doing it. And then they start to have like FOMO, sometimes crying, having to talk to therapists. And what we've really talked about is that they're actually not in control of this narrative. 
they feel like they were pushed out of a career that they did love. They're not the ones that are responsible for why they're walking away. It's the system and everything that's going on around them and a career that's becoming um, unsustainable. Mm -hmm. That's how I'm going to say it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) That's what's pushing them away. And so understanding that there's going to be a lot of mindset roadblocks like this and very big and hard feelings, and it might feel more comfortable to not put yourself in a situation where you have to feel those big, hard feelings. But um, those are every single year, those come up with at most teachers that I work with, those types of big feelings. Yeah, I wanted to just quickly jump in here. So I'm really glad that you mentioned this as one of the biggest roadblocks to creating change in your life because I call it the lizard brain. You know, we can call it our negative bias that we have, you know, all of those innate features that are in that are innate in us um, that try to keep us safe and try to keep us stuck because, you know, we we don't want to go out into the unknown. That's not safe. That's not comfortable. Um, and that is something that you truly do have to work through whenever you make any kind of change. And to connect that also to your story and the fact that you, you know, you had tried to make a change. I think you had moved districts or moved buildings. Mm-hmm. You had moved. For I, a moved co- I moved districts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you tried that. Right. And and I've talked about that on the podcast and in, in, in my course about how, you know, sometimes that's a good change and that can offer you the much needed changes that you need to, to feel more, to, to feel like you have a more sustainable career because a, a leader of a school can just make a world of difference or a change mm-hmm. in even grade level in the same school can make a huge, huge difference. But sometimes that's just not enough. And so that's one big reason that I wanted to have you on here, Daphne, is that if you feel like you've made, you've tried to make these changes, maybe in 2022, 23, you did move districts, you did move grade levels, and you're still feeling those, you know, those feelings of isolation, burnout, frustration. Um, the system is just continuing to make teaching so hard for you. But now you know that it's like, okay, maybe I really should leave, but your mindset is really kind of keeping you in that cognitive dissonance of, you know, that push and pull of should I, shouldn't I, could I, could I, you know, couldn't I. Um, So thank you so much for talking about that first, because, you know, that mindset, those mindsets will never go away. They're, they're always going to be there because they are in any, anybody's brain who is trying to make a hard decision and, and change their lives. And one thing we always talk about, about like, When it comes to making these really big decisions, trying to put out a pros and cons list, put Mm -hmm. actual numbers to the pros and the cons. So Mm -hmm. like pro of leaving teaching on a scale one to five, getting, you know, your nights back, your weekends back, your mental health back. How much is that worth versus, you know, whatever the con of that would be even associated with it or a totally different one of leaving your, leaving your teaching colleagues behind on a scale one to five. And then adding it up and just trying to see if one has bigger weight than the other one. And if it's a lot larger than you even realize of like, well, that actually is a five important to me. And those are twos or threes. Mm -hmm. And you can start to make decisions a little bit more confidently that way. But then also thinking about you in the future, if you will always regret not trying. Because there are things that you can probably tell me of, hey, Daphne, would you feel regret if you never did this? And I would say, you know, I've I've thought about it before, thought about it some, and it's, that would be fun to do, but it's not, you know, something that I would regret. Right. If you know, deep in your heart and the back of your brain and, and 
it's something that you've thought about for year after year after year, that's a really big sign that it's, it's time to really stop being an observer of everyone else doing it and start to take action and actually move forward. And then we can talk a little bit about the careers that I'm seeing so many teachers getting into. Yeah. So, um, oh, you want to, yeah, go ahead. Well, really quickly, I just wanted to, to remind um, all the listeners that we did go a little bit deeper into these roadblocks and to some of these things that you can do to decide of whether or not you want to stay or go. And I'll link that episode here in the show notes so you can listen to more details because we're going to go a little bit deeper here in a moment about what you can do at this time of year. Okay. So yes, definitely tell us some of the trends that you're seeing in, in companies and corporations. Yeah, so there are a couple of different paths that many teachers take, but I'm actually just going to kind of go generalized, um, let's just say like five different career types. And so first of it being like training and development roles. So that's instructional designer. It's like training roles. It can sometimes be implementation roles. And the thing that I should probably go back a step and explain is you're going to get frustrated. Mm-hmm. when it comes to job titles. I am not going to list every job title that you may be able to apply for because every company makes up a title that makes the most sense to them in the role that they're creating. It's not as black and white as teaching. So like teachers, you have a pretty good idea of what your job duties are going to be, even though they keep piling so much more on your plate and it's so much more beyond the role of a teacher, mm-hmm. you you would know, okay, fourth grade teacher, I know what the expectations are. There are going to be roles like training manager that can widely be different at different companies with widely different salaries. There are going to be roles that might be called something like implement- implementation manager that it looks exactly like all of the training manager positions mm. that you've done. And if you limit yourself to only typing in a word, instructional designer, and only looking for instructional design jobs, you're really going to be limiting your possibilities because that is just not how companies actually put them in. They're really good once you start to recognize which ones are which and what the keywords are that they use for different ones. But just letting you know that that's kind of a caveat to know as I move forward. So like learning and training types of roles. So these are the ones where you're either training people internally. So inside of the company or externally, you're in charge of actually training clients. The clients can be someone who purchased a program. It could be clients who actually purchased like a software tool, like a, um, let's just even say like we're on zoom right now. You might be a trainer who teaches people how to use zoom. You might be a person who trains on how to use Zoom in a specific office setting, in a specific type of situation. There's a lot of different training roles out there, and it just is going to vary um, what you want to do as far as upskilling. And then you can kind of start to look at different training positions. So the upskilling, just before I even go too deep on the other ones would be, there are going to be training positions that you're going to go in and you're going to be 100% qualified right now. Mm -hmm. They, you don't need to know anything else. You just brush it and you show them a really amazing translated resume and show them, these are the times that I've trained adults. These are the different types of presentations I've done. This is how I create a presentation. This is how I analyze how good the presentation did. And, um, then they're going to 
look at the best candidates, but you are going to be qualified for that role. But there's going to be other types of training roles that are going to say, we wanted you to know how to do it in this um, online authoring tool. So like an articulate storyline. And that's more of an instructional design position mm-hmm. are when they're really looking for um, specific softwares that you can create training programs in. So knowing if you want more of a what can I do to get my foot in the door at a company right now? Or how do I stand out by building a um, tool set, understanding graphic design, putting together really great looking graphics and potentially a portfolio? Those are going to be what really varies with the different training positions. There are also a lot of customer success and customer support positions that teachers are getting. And those are going to be different. They they both work with customers, but Customer support is someone who's answering emails. It could also be um, someone in charge of doing training programs at some time they have, did I say, I said customer support, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So sometimes they do have customer support creating like the help articles for people. So like the guides of, oh, when people are looking for stuff, this person's in charge of creating it. Um, And those are usually on the lower Pay scale. So you're going to see teachers who are in the classroom, maybe one to three years are going to find those roles getting closer to matching what their salary is. But if you've been in your teaching position for longer, you may be looking for something more on the higher end, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, customer support though, is a little bit different or customer success is a little bit different where that is actually handholding a, um, a client and helping them renew a product year after year after year. They work in sale, like they work in the sales department. And so that's someone who's in charge of reaching back out and talking to the customer and saying, hey, it looks like you haven't used this or can I show you the free trainings we have or can I see what hesitations you have um, with using it or renewing it. And so that's a customer success position. And those roles are usually given to someone who has like instructional technology background or someone who works with like districts, um, sometimes a little bit higher up, maybe a Tectosa, someone who's done something where they have a little bit more experience of working directly with vendors and how vendors actually work inside the school districts if we're talking about an ed tech company. But you can also get to those customer success positions by going into a sales role, which is the next role that I'm going to talk about. So a lot of teachers are actually going into sales because one thing that you'll notice when you start to look at jobs outside of the classroom, they may only be hiring one or two training positions, but they're hiring 20 sales positions. Mm -hmm. It's a really great way for you to get your foot in the door at a company, understand how a company works, get some rapport with the people who work there and start to work your way up into a different direction if you're looking to get out in a quicker time frame, And a lot of people are scared of sales because teaching and sales just doesn't feel like a natural fit. But oh my gosh, it, I feel like it's the perfect fit. Like you're selling learning all day. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely, I feel like because we're such intrinsically motivated people, mm-hmm. we feel like being sales always means being pushy. But mm-hmm. a lot of what sales is, is just educating people on what exactly. you do, what yeah. you have. And trying to make inferences on their answers. So like a lot of active listening to understand whether or not what you have is a good fit, trying to guide a conversation into that way. 
And a lot of people who are like naturally competitive, like if you can find yourself being really competitive with yourself, if it comes to like fitness goals or even with like your, your reading data at school, yeah. then that might be a good fit for you. Um, and then also we see people going into human resources, recruiting. I've gotten a lot of teachers who have been going into software engineering, tech roles, really high paid, very cool positions. So all over the board, there's just a ton of different directions to go, nonprofits, museums. Um, but those are kind of the biggest trends that I've been seeing at least in the last year. I, I love that. Thank you, first of all, for laying all of those out, because I think sometimes that we tell ourselves in a, in addition to the story that, you know, no one's going to hire a teacher is that there's not like, what else could I possibly do? And the way you just laid it out makes everything seem really accessible. Like, obviously you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. Obviously we're going to have to um, sort of look at, like you said, the names of different roles and really think outside of the box there, but that's what your course does essentially, right? You, yes. you're, you're showing everybody step by step by step how to do these things. Yeah. It's the thing that I think is going to be the most paralyzing is coming from a role like teaching where it's supposed to be your forever career and having a sense of stress, trauma of you pick the wrong career hmm. and it's, hmm. it's hurting you right now. Yeah. It puts a lot of pressure on you to try and pick the next perfect thing. But that is not a realistic expectation. What you need to do is write down a list of the things you dislike. Mm -hmm. What types of roles do you dislike? Do you dislike sitting at a computer all day long? Well, then you probably won't like curriculum writing. Yeah. Take it off your plate. Even yeah. if it looks like in your, you know, even if you think, oh, that's a natural fit. I love, I love uh, history curriculum or I want to create a really great SEL curriculum. You're not going to like it if it's a computer job. So you're going to want to maybe use that types of passion to see, you know, a job that is somewhat similar, mm -hmm. but is more person facing and less computer facing. Yeah. Um. So write down a list of the things you dislike and you might not really know what you like or you don't like until you start getting your hands dirty. So just pick one type of role start getting your hands dirty and then move to the next one. Because what yes. really people do, especially too late in the game, March, April, May, mm -hmm. is they're like, I need to learn everything about becoming an instructional designer, a customer success manager and a corporate trainer. And what if I choose the wrong path? And what if that's not the right job? And it's, you really have to focus on like, what can you learn right now in yes. a reasonable amount of time, especially yeah. if you're trying to apply at the very end of the year, if you start moving towards something and it feels like a really bad fit. Okay. I can scratch yeah. that off. This is what I like. This is what I didn't like. And then move down the list, but just kind of try and, and move forward because once you get your foot in the door, that's the, it's far easier for you to pivot once you're outside into that corporate environment. Cause you can sit at different departments. You can watch what other people do. You can have more clear understanding and you'll have a new network of people willing to vouch for you in a corporate setting, which is what you do not have right now. Exactly. Ugh, you. This is the perfect lead into my next question. So everything that you're saying, I mean, this is perfect for this time of year. And this is why I really wanted to talk with you right now, because uh, this episode is going to air at the beginning of March. And this is the time where it's really, 
It really is crunch time. If you have have said out loud or in your head, like, I am not, I do not want to come back to teaching next year. You have tried all the things. And right now, this seems like the the best, the next best step for you is leaving education, even for a little bit, like you said, to get your feet wet, just to try it, see what's out there. Um, so what would you suggest? Uh, if there is a teacher who is saying, I'm done, I, I really want to leave and see what's out there. And I want to kind of push my limits and try something new, try a new career. What would you say at this time of year would be their next best steps? They're not, and they're not trying to decide. They are like ready to, they're ready to put their heads down and really find that next best role for them. So try and explore as quickly as possible because mm-hmm. it's pretty late in the game. Explore a couple of career paths and see which one's the best fit for you. This late in the game also, mm-hmm. sorry if I'm stressing you out with this late in the game, please forgive me. Pat yourself <laughs> on the back. You're not too late. You're doing just great. I'm so sorry to say that. Um, no, but- it's okay. I think, you know, late in the game is better than never. And 100%. right now, it right now in March, April is better than June, July, because then you Mm -hmm. start to put people into really hard positions, including yourself um, with deciding then. So um, now is better than never. So, so lay it on us. But to do it quickly, one thing that you should really look at, do you have experience outside of teaching? And this is something that when we're helping people write their resumes and we're talking on these career clarity calls and they're saying, I'm trying to get out in a pinch. And we're like, okay, well, we're looking and what, you know, we're looking at your resume right here and it's 10 years of teaching experience and we don't really know what came before it. Do you have any experience outside? And they're like, oh, well, I worked at like a hotel before at the front desk or something. It's like, okay, well, you have experience in the hospitality industry would you want to look into training positions in the hospitality industry? And then you can rewrite your resume all about how you have experience in both. Mm -hmm. Um, There are people who are applying for jobs and then we're talking to them and they're like, oh, well, it was a while back, but I I mean, I did have a sales position and we're like, put it on there. Yeah. Because that companies do want to know what types of experiences you have now. There's caveats to all of the resume writing experience or all the resume writing uh, information that I'm going to give. It's going to be differing depending on, on what types of careers you're going into. So if you're applying for a specific position and 15 years ago you did something and it has nothing to do with it, you don't really need to add it back onto your resume for right. that. It's really just streamlining and making sure that they know that you had experience if you did. If you didn't, that's absolutely fine also. I applied for all of my jobs and I don't even, this is before I worked with people in resume writing. I didn't write any of my past experience. I was a bartender before I was a teacher and I still used my teaching experience to land jobs at Fortune 500 companies. You are going to do just great. But that's just really good to look back and see what you all also have done. If that can help leverage you, you're going to want to get on LinkedIn and add as many people that you know from your professional life and even people who you don't know professionally that you know. Mm-hmm. One mistake that I see a lot of people doing is they just add as many teachers in transition as they can on their LinkedIn profile. It makes it very hard for them to actually find the information that they're looking for. They get very overwhelmed and distracted by being connected with a bunch of strangers. And that's not 
really how LinkedIn necessarily is supposed to work. What's supposed to happen is you apply for a job and you're able to look on your LinkedIn and say, oh, I know so-and-so who knows so-and-so who works at that company. Mm-hmm. But if you have a, if you have added 1,000 people, LinkedIn does not work like that anymore. You don't know so-and-so who knows. You're not able to right. say, hey, can you help me get my foot or tell this person I applied? But so that's going to be step number two is adding to LinkedIn. But you're going to want to translate your resume. Even if a company says, I'm hiring transitioning teachers, you cannot just apply with your teacher. Even if you fluffed it up with a couple corporate language verbiage Mm -hmm. on it, you have to translate it well. You have to make sure that you are really translating it to the very specific job and using corporate language so that they understand how you are uniquely qualified for it. Because there are so many people who are just using the exact same teacher resume and working with hiring managers. It's, I've heard some statistics that it's over 70% of the people who are applying for the jobs are not taking the time to demonstrate that they understand what the job even does. Mm -hmm. And as a career pivoter, that is one of the most important steps. Hey there, I'm interrupting this episode really quickly to talk to you about you and your teacher burnout. And one tiny thing you can do today in less than three minutes to begin to leave burnout behind. It's called my teacher burnout quiz. And with this quick six question quiz, I'll help you identify if you are burned and over it, burned and unbalanced, burned and bored, or not burned out, but something is off. Dr. Dan Seagal says, if you can name it, you can tame it. And while he was talking about children and adults naming their emotions so that they can begin to use appropriate coping mechanisms to deal with them, I believe that the same philosophy applies to naming your burnout type so you can begin to take the appropriate steps that are personalized to you and your burnout. The fact is, burnout is caused and cured in different ways for different teachers. So why do we settle for a one-size-fits-all approach to curing something that is so deeply personal? When you take this quick three-minute quiz, you'll not only be able to name your burnout type right away, but I'll give you some specific steps to apply immediately to your personal burnout journey. So what are you waiting for? Go to burnedinteacher.com slash burnout quiz to take the free quiz so you can name your burnout and begin to take small, actionable steps to grow through your burnout type. Because seriously, wine and bubble baths are nice, but they will not help to cure you out of your hashtag teacher misery. So go to burnedinteacher.com slash burnout quiz. Now back to the episode. Burn on. Yeah, do your research and and know the language. And I love that you're really focusing on that resume because that is a really great, well, and really a a pre-step is really, like you said already, really determining what sounds fun to you or what sounds at least something that you're interested in. Like you said, um, if, if you don't like sitting in front of your computer all day, then curriculum writing is not your thing, right? So really deciding, you know, what does sound at least fun-ish? Because I mean, work is work. You and I have kind I of think, talked about that, right? Yeah. And I think that that's one of the hardest things too, mm-hmm. is I think that we're sold the word like dream job. Mm-hmm. And um, honestly, if you are, if you start out with that, that adjective fun, this is the type of um, conversation I've had with a lot of teachers mm-hmm. is they're saying, well, I'm looking for something and I'm going to make up an example. Cause I don't want to use someone's specific example, but they'll <laughs> say like, I'm looking for a full-time position. I want it to be 100% remote. 
And I wanted to be at a company where I'm doing a lot of social emotional learning training, but I wanted to be focused on adults, but I also want it to be um, involving my passion for hiking and outdoors. So social emotional learning training for a company that also has outdoor and vacation types of things. And unfortunately, when you do really limit yourself to something like that, I will never be the person to tell you that something is impossible because anything is possible, but you better be really clear that that is your 100% firm non-negotiable because mm-hmm. the more limiting you put, it's going to be a unicorn job that's going to be very difficult for you to actually find. You can look at all of these types of companies that do outdoor hiking, travel things. If that's something you're passionate about, maybe go into a sales position, a customer support position, a training position, maybe look into other types of things that they do. And if you start to look at that company and realize that that's not a good fit for you, but you really liked project management, you can get a project management job at a tech company and then your life can be hiking and traveling outside of work. Yes. Oh my gosh. You still have that same passion. It's, I think that teaching becomes our identity so much that it's hard for us to realize that we can have a job that is just a job that's doing well and paying our bills and we like our coworkers, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be something that when we say it in a grocery store, people say, oh, good for you. Mm -hmm. We have to come to terms (laughs) with the fact that whatever we say might sound boring on paper, but we're, we're people outside of it. And that's, what's the most important. Oh my gosh. I love that so much because my husband, who is a principal in the same district that I work in, he and I talk about this all the time. Like of no matter what job we have, if we were to leave teaching and get another job, there are going to be things about that job that we don't enjoy or that we don't like, or that are not fun. And what we continually come back to with teaching, and that that really is the best career for us, we feel, because we think about all the things that it offers us outside of the job. Like the weeks that we do get off, you know, that we love to travel. We love, you know, that those are things that we value that have nothing to do with teaching, but that teaching offers us. Mm-hmm. And if that's not enough for you and your career in teaching, that's okay. But for us, it really does fit our core values and our lifestyle, et cetera. And I think that that's a really good point that you make that if you're looking at this job, you know, whether it be a customer support, um, you know, project management, whatever it is, you can find things about it that you like. You're, you're always going to have things about it that you don't like, but thinking about what it offers you, you know, if it is a lot of, if teaching has been a lot of um, mental stress, a lot of micromanagement, a lot of, a lot of hardship, it is taking you out of that out of that position, but then thinking about what it can offer you instead. And like you've said, the pros and cons list, um, the things you like versus you don't like, um, all of that is so, so helpful. And thank you so much for also really focusing on the resume. I think that sometimes we ourselves devalue all of the amazing skills that we have as teachers that are so transitionable, transitionable. Now it's my turn to say if I'm Transferable. Transferable. Thank you. So transferable to other roles in other companies and it, that that are not teaching. But gosh, we have so many amazing abilities because we have been teachers. Yeah. And I saw a post about this the other day. So I feel like I have to acknowledge it right now mm-hmm. because unfortunately there are some bad actors in the like coaching teachers to transition types of space that are going to do whatever they can do to like make a sale. Mm. And they're going to say things that sound good on paper, but if they don't have hiring experience, if they don't have recruiting experience, if they actually um, 
don't have the qualifications, they may say things that can really hurt you. And so with your transferable skills, there are, there are so many skills that right now you have as a teacher, whether it's like, um, the way that you keep things in compliance with like state laws for IEPs, mm-hmm. or if it's the time that you trained 10 teachers on how to use Google, but you're like scared to pretend that you were a trainer because you didn't formally get paid for it or whatever it is. Right. There are so many times you were downplaying something that you absolutely can put on your resume because we just have, we juggle so much, but then there are also times that you absolutely cannot lie. Mm-hmm. And so why I brought up the bad actors is there was someone who was like, put down that you've worked in these programs. And then once you get the interview, you can learn it. Some of these programs are going to take you two months. And if you've never opened it up in your life, you don't know which ones you right. won't be able to do. And that is going to bite you in the butt if you are dishonest. And it's going to bite all teachers in the butt if there's a lot of dishonesty when it comes in this space. So what you can translate are things that you've done and don't downplay that. Do not pretend you've worked in industries you don't work in. I've also heard of someone trying to tell teachers to pretend that their school district is a corporation. Absolutely not. You're going to get into, you're going to get into, yeah, they were, they were telling them to call themselves. I can't remember what it was and that your school district is a corporation firm. No, they're going to understand that you're a teacher and you don't want to hide that. Right. You want to confidently show them how your skills translate and don't downplay it. Um, but you cannot pretend that you worked in apps that you haven't worked in, but you don't have to be an expert in that. Right. There are apps, project management apps like Trello and um, Asana that will legit take you 15 to 30 minutes to know it well enough for you to put it on your resume. But there are things like Salesforce or Articulate Storyline that if you said that you know it and you go into an interview and you don't know it at all, you're not going to get any other job at that company because you fibbed. Um, And it just makes, you know, it's, it's a really bad look and it sets you up to fail in the end. If you feel like you overstuffed and overcompensated, because if you tell them I've done this for two years and I know something and you're dishonest, they don't know how to scaffold and help you during the onboarding. And they're going to give you a role that you're not ready for. Right. So if you say I've done this thing, I've done it well. This is how I've done it. And this is how quickly I learn things. I've picked up all of this in the last three months. I have done this much homework. I've learned all of these programs because I did 20 hours of work doing the programs on my own time. And you're completely transparent. And you're really confident with it. That is what's going to set you up for success for the long term. But feeling uncomfortable about the job that you're going into is normal. Mm-hmm. Lying is absolutely right. Not yes. Normal. No, lying in any situation is not, it's never the best idea. (laughs) Um, So Daphne, is there anything else that you, I mean, since 2021, I know you've obviously got your course. I would love for you to really quickly chat about, um, about that, but are there any other resources that you offer that will help teachers to make this transition as smooth as possible for them? Yeah. If you, you know, one of the easiest ways for you to get weekly motivation coaching, just understand kind of how, um, how the basics of a transition from teaching really work is the podcast, our teacher career coach podcast. At this point, as we're recording, we have over a hundred episodes. Um, and it is one of the best resources, just like a little coach in your pocket to help you stay motivated. 
And then also just lots of articles on the Teacher Career Coach website. We've been putting out articles since 2019 from a variety of what types of jobs hire former teachers to what types of jobs hire former school counselors or what about early um, early education teachers or what about what happens to parents when they're in a new environment? What happens to their summers? So we've just created a ton of different resources using the thousands of teachers that we've helped mm-hmm. um, and the years just using stories from them and helping to create and shape and educate people so that they can make the best informed decision for themselves. Awesome. So let's say a teacher starts listening to podcast. They, you know, they've now heard about you and they are ready to say, Hey, I, I want help. I'm, I'm all in on everything you're talking about. I want, I want to know more about this course. What are, what are a couple of things that you could tell them that it will help them to do within the next, you know, two to three weeks, maybe up to a month? What, what will it help them to achieve? Yeah. So the first module of the course really walks them through expectations, productivity, and sets them up for success because what we have seen is so many teachers, I don't want to say wasting time because any progress that you make moving forward is progress, but there are things that you are doing that are probably not as efficient as other things you could be doing. Mm-hmm. And from a career change perspective, especially on a limited time frame, we want to make sure that you know, like, these are things that are good. These are things that are very less common for actual success. And like one example of that is there's something called like social Saturday on LinkedIn and it's everybody following strangers Mm -hmm. and it might take you 30 or 45 minutes on your, on your Saturday. And it feels like, okay, well, I'm doing something towards my job hunt because I'm connecting with all these people and I'm going to learn from them. But what you probably should be doing during those 30 or 45 minutes is taking more action of rewriting your resume or researching a role and strategically asking people for support that have been in that role for three years or beyond, not necessarily, you know, reaching out and talking to strangers. So we set up in the first uh, module, just kind of what to expect timeline wise, what you should be doing, how much you should be doing. And then um, from the second module, we start doing a deep dive into reading job descriptions. So you understand Um, what you're looking for in different job descriptions, especially with different levels of educators. If you've been in one to five years or five to 10 years or over 10 years, those are going to be different types of jobs that you're probably Mm -hmm. pinpointing just depending on your salary needs. We also do some work on identifying your salary needs, um, making sure that you have crunched all those numbers and you understand the difference of like salary um, versus like hourly. If you end up getting an hourly contract, But the meat of what we do is in writing resumes, understanding the best ways to answer interview questions. We've got a ton of companies that we've researched and we have their careers pages that are listed. We have a list of over 600 teacher, former teacher job titles and their salaries. So if you just wanted to really quickly kind of scan it to see any trends of what's meeting your salary requirement, it's anywhere from 40,000 to over 100,000 from people. So it's, it's a wide variety. And, um, when it comes to resume writing, that's really, you know, what's going to save you the most time classroom to corporate translations, examples of resumes that are written. And all of this was done by professional resume writers with experience and career coaching services or in human resources and recruiting. So that's what you're really looking for is someone who's done that as a profession Mm -hmm. when they're writing your resume. And then 
um, answers to interview questions. And that's coming from the inside of people who have been working with hiring managers from ed tech companies, nonprofits, manage all these other types of corporations. So like helping you set yourself up for success so that you can make um, this transition in the shortest amount of time possible. But that's really something that I want to make sure I address on this is you want to do this smart. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to ever trick you into saying that this is a guarantee for you. You want to have a safety net. You want to have a plan B because unfortunately every year there are going to be teachers who do have to return to the classroom the next year or find a different job or what's called a stepping stone job, a job right. that's underneath their salary requirements and go in. There are so many success stories, but I just don't want you to have an unrealistic expectation of a guaranteed success. Even if you do everything right, it's really the trickiest part is because we're stuck on this very limited time frame. And the average time that it takes for people to transition is between three to six months. Mm. The average t- time it takes for a regular person that has experience in an industry is about three months. Mm -hmm. And with the actual transition into a new environment, it's three to six months. And so this late in the game, I just want you to know that, but that does not mean it's not worth moving forward because you don't know if you're going to be successful this round, but you absolutely will not be if you don't try. And one thing that I like to say is, is this a goal that's worth trying for 12 months if it's going to be the rest of your life? Yeah, I'm glad you said that too, because here's the thing, and I tell this to teachers all the time, especially in the membership, is there's no harm in just exploring what this feels like. So if you join the course, you start listening to the podcast, um, if you are one of those people that are, are that are on the fence especially, there is no harm in you just exploring how it feels to even think about that transition. Or if you invest in the course, like you get forever access to it. So there's, correct, am I misspeaking there? Okay, so you get forever access to it. So there's no harm in you going through these lessons and just seeing how it feels and following the the lessons and doing what Daphne is teaching you. And again, like even small progress is progress forward. And maybe what that will help you to realize is, hey, you know what? I actually think that maybe leaving this, leaving teaching is not for me. Now, now at least I know as I've gone through these steps that like, I really don't think that this is for me. I might try something different or, you know what? I really like how this feels. And if, you know, you do have to go back to the classroom for another year and you really didn't want to, but you know, it is the safest thing to do and the smartest way to make this transition. You now have an entire year to really sink your teeth into these job descriptions, your resume, exploring all of these different opportunities and you are setting your future self up for success. What I see happen too often is people from September to November say, game on, I'm going to yeah. do this. And then they put it off until March or April yeah. or May. Yeah. <laughs> and then what really honestly ends up happening with them is once they really do go all in mm-hmm. from March until June, many of them do find jobs. Mm-hmm. The ones that do not find jobs that went all in Mm-hmm. That next round from September to March, now they have all of this new information. Maybe they've been on interviews. Maybe they've gone through a couple of reiterations of their resume. And now they have clear ideas of, you know what? Here's two LinkedIn courses I want to take in September. Yes. And they come back stronger the very next year than anyone mm-hmm. who just started that year. They always end up coming back with 
just a lot more insight and clarity and time to work on it. But what I think really people do is that like analysis paralysis, they don't want to move forward because it's not a guaranteed success. Right. And unfortunately, like it absolutely is not going to fall into your lap. Right. If you're just passively sending out resumes that you haven't really strongly translated, or if you're like, I know I put like half effort or like Mm -hmm. one fourth effort into, you're going to get those types of results. And then that's also going to feed your confirmation bias that it's impossible for you. Like, okay, well, no one even, but like no one cared about those ones. If you know that this is worth fighting for, then it's worth going all in on because there is no way that you are going to fail if you keep trying and moving forward. Like success on this is so, so achievable and attainable, but it's not going to be easy. And it's unfortunately not going to be on an exact timeline. That's why it's important to be very smart. Understand that. I know, you know, the limitations that teachers have with the timeline, but I, I want everyone to have like a realistic expectation, but also not let that confirm to them that it's impossible and just give up altogether because ultimately we, we have had people that have unfortunately said, okay, well, it didn't happen for me in this time frame. but usually when talking to them, they can identify, I know I didn't really go all in. Yeah. I know I didn't really do it. I was a little, I was a little scared or, you know, I needed to rest, which is also fine. Yeah. You are speaking my language and this is the perfect uh, way to end this interview. Daphne, thank you so much for your time, your expertise, your grace. We, d- I just really appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me, Amber. It's always good to hear from you and just congrats on everything and your successful school year. Thank you. Thank you. I'm loving it. And congrats on your successful career at the teacher career coach. You are helping so many teachers from around the world to make that much needed transition. So thank you so much for what you do. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, everybody take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a burned in teacher. Burn on. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can head over to burnedinteacher.com where you can access the entire vault of Burned In Teacher podcast episodes and more information about ways I want to help you go from burned out teacher to burned in human. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you would head over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating about the Burned In Teacher podcast. Until next time, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a burned in teacher. Burn on.